Hi everyone, this is Maria here. Before we get into this week's episode, I wanted to share something with you all. It's summer here right now and Transform Talks is going to be taking a much needed break. Well, don't get too excited as I'm not going anywhere. But throughout the month of August, I'm going to be working diligently with my team to create the next season of Transform Talks. During this month, our LinkedIn page, which is called at Transform Talks, will continue to post exclusive content. So I'd encourage you all to give it a follow to keep up to date with the latest developments. I'm also going to be on social media, so continue to follow me. Rest assured that we're going to be back in September with yet more weekly episodes featuring some exciting and interesting content around transformation. Finally, I'd also like to take this opportunity to remind you to prioritize yourself, your family, and your mental health. Take a break. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy this week's episode. You're listening to Transform Talks, a podcast about global supply chain transformation. I'm Maria Villablanca, co-founder and CEO of Future Insights Network, a fast-growing network of over 130,000 supply chain and manufacturing executives worldwide. Now on this show, I'm going to be interviewing and having conversations with some of the biggest names in supply chain and business, where we're going to be discussing topics around digitization, transformation, leadership, technology, business models, diversity, sustainability, and much, much more. Hello, and welcome back to our latest monthly roundup episode. In today's episode, we're going to be looking back at the best moments from July, which was, relatively speaking, a pretty quiet month. Well, at least it was in terms of events, especially when I compare it to previous few months. Thankfully, though, these last few weeks have offered me much needed respite, which has allowed me to reflect on what has been a very busy year so far, and we're only halfway through. Whilst I'm very much looking forward to taking a very much needed break, at the same time, I have to say that I can't wait to get back out there. So I'm going to be posting about future events on my LinkedIn, so be sure to give me a follow to stay on top of the latest developments. Now, in terms of the podcast, this month, Transform Talks published a total of four episodes. So let's now look back at some of the best moments from these episodes. Our first guest in July was Francesca Gamboni. Francesca is a supply chain executive with over 30 years of experience in supply chain management, manufacturing, and procurement. She knows a thing or two about what it takes to succeed in this industry. In fact, during our conversation, I actually ended up asking her how she's been able to thrive in this sector for so long. As we're going to soon hear, Francesca not only gave us her thoughts on the skills and competencies she believes supply chain leaders must have, but she also went on to describe the type of personality that she thinks works best in this industry. Again, I love I love supply chain. I really love supply chain, and the reason for which I love supply chain is because really you need to be, uh, you need to have, uh, 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 you need to love diversity. First of all, you need to be good at managing diversity. And when I talk about diversity, I don't talk only about gender diversity, cultural diversity, all sorts of diversity, industry diversity, because fundamentally supply chain goes from customer to customer, passing through the whole. Uh, so from customer demand to customer satisfaction, passing through the whole company. And then there is an ecosystem also uh, uh, to manage uh, uh, outside because supply chain now needs to be considered. It always used to be considered, but it has to even more, it became more important, has to consider as an ecosystem. So you need to manage also your suppliers and your customers in that sense. You need to, uh, 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 let's say, integrate them within your supply chain. Having said that, then you need to love diversity. 
you need to love managing diversity. You need to love understanding, listening different cultures and, 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 and understanding how other people interact or, or react differently. Uh, uh, and that's something, it's, it's a talent uh, that you need to have, or if you don't have, that you need to develop. It's a competence that you need to develop, which is something I've always loved. And, and that's why I remained in supply chain for many, many years. Uh, also in terms of, of personality, I think it fits uh, a bit my personality. Uh, there are, there, are, um, there is, is a kind of, uh, I, I don't know how to find the right, the right term, it's a, it's a bit of an Italian term, but it's a bit, you need a bit of a bittersweet personality. Uh, you need to be on one hand fearless and on the other hand data-driven. Uh, you need to be passionate, but then cold-blooded when it's a matter of crisis. Uh, so you need to be visionary, but very pragmatic when it's a matter of execution. So really, you need to have the opposites of different, uh, of different, uh, uh, let's say, of your, of your different extremes of your personality. And I guess it matches with my personality and the way I am. I really love the way Francesca describes it as a bittersweet personality. And I said this as much during our conversation, but I wholeheartedly agree with Francesca that in order to succeed in senior supply chain leadership positions, you need to be able to be comfortable shifting your approach at any given moment, especially during these uncertain times. The following week, I had the privilege of sitting down with Cheryl Camps. Cheryl is the Senior Vice President and Chief Supply Chain Officer at Corning Incorporated, one of the world's leading innovators in material science. And as I explained during the introduction of that episode, prior to speaking with Cheryl, you know what? I had no idea just how many innovations the company was responsible for. So as Cheryl soon eloquently explains, Corning is one of those companies whose impact can be felt all around us. Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, I have to say for me, it's really thinking through how Corning innovations touch my life and make it what it is today. That's what really gets me excited when I think about innovation. And I'll, I'll kind of talk through like a day in the life. You know, I get up in the morning and I turn on my lights. Corning invented the glass envelope for Edison's light bulb. So it's hard to, to imagine what our world would be, you know, what our world would be without that, that key invention. I then I take my medicines, you just referenced that. They're developed in labs using Corning glassware and for some of them self-culture products. In fact, my COVID vaccine was delivered in a Corning glass vial. I check my handheld devices first thing in the morning, which have Corning glass on the front screen and on the back. I walk from my bedroom down into the kitchen to get my first cup of coffee to pass by my flat screen TV, which has Corning covered glass on it. And I get in my car as a Corning ceramic substrate and it's catalytic converter, right? It, um, key product in terms of protecting our environment. And by the time I sit down in front of my computer, you know, maybe 90 minutes after I've, I've awoken in the morning, and I make it my first, I've made my first phone call. I've used Corning optical fiber, cable, and connectivity solutions dozens of times. Corning was the inventor of low-loss optical fiber. I could go on and on, but I think you get the picture. You know, each and every day, Corning innovation makes my world what it is. It's remarkable, isn't it, just how many products they produce. What became clear during my conversation with Cheryl is just how important the idea of innovation is to Corning. And I guess you don't stick around for over 170 years if you're not constantly looking towards the future. Now, before we move on, if you're thinking to yourself, I'd really love to listen back to the full episodes that I'm referring to, then don't worry. We've included all of the details to the full episodes in the description. 
Next up, we have an excerpt from my conversation with Kurt Ritter, Vice President and General Manager Sustainability North America at the Coca-Cola Company. Kurt's had an interesting career. He's worked for Coca-Cola for over 15 years, and during the early part of his career, he worked in a number of sales and operations roles. Most recently, though, he's been overseeing the company's North American sustainability initiatives. And knowing that he had an operational background, I decided to focus this episode on how he's operationalizing the company's sustainability goals. In the next segment, you're going to hear Kurt talk about how he's trying to shift the paradigm in order to make sustainability a core part of the company's growth strategy. And I agree with what you said. There, there has been a historical paradigm that has framed sustainability in a variety of very different ways. Predominantly around, it seems to be mostly around increased costs. In order for us to achieve, whether it's our carbon reduction goals, our packaging design goals, uh, historically it's been around what's going to cost us more. And where we're starting to think through is like, how can we grow? And I think that's the, that's to me is one of the biggest takeaways and learnings. If we think of sustainability as a growth engine, we bring the broader organization together and move faster towards achieving those goals. One thing you may have seen in some of the markets, which has been a big focus of ours, and I think this can be said for a lot of companies is, uh, we begin to design packaging made from 100% post-recycled material. So a, a PET bottle that is made from 100% recycled plastic. Uh, it's in our Dasani bottle today. It's coming more increasingly in our Coca-Cola bottle. And in fact, consumers want that more now. And we see it, frankly, we track and see that, that in those markets, we actually see sales increase. And we're turning something that costs more into something that can help us grow more because we're doing the right taking the right action around packaging design. And that would be one of my, my, my biggest uh, pieces of advice for others is to think of it as a growth driver when done in the right way. I really like Kurt's outlook on this, and it's clear to see how his operational experience has gone on to inform his approach on sustainability. Now, our last episode before our summer break featured Bindia Vakil. Bindia is the CEO and co-founder of Resly a leading cloud provider for supply chain and risk management. So I decided to ask Bindia what she thinks is the biggest risk right now. And here's her answer. There are so many that are, it's very hard to say what is the one big risk. The one big risk is actually us, that we won't do anything, that we won't learn anything, that we won't adopt anything. That is the biggest risk, I would say, because there are solutions out there. There are ways in which companies survived and thrived during the pandemic, despite all of their competitors who were leveraging the same sets of suppliers in the same regions. Some companies overperformed their competition. They were able to keep deliveries to customers. They did not put customers on allocation. How did they do it? There is a formula here but we are not adopting it many times. It's the same story as Zoom, Maria. Think about it, right? Zoom, Teams, WebEx, these technologies have been around forever, but we still flew all over the world. We still went into the office. We still were spending our time doing a lot of face-to-face -face interaction, not adopting the technologies in a holistic fashion like we have post-pandemic. The pandemic forced us to make this massive technology adoption, which has made a permanent change in how we live, work, play, and learn, right? Using these technologies. So it's the same thing that 
the, the pandemic made all of us eyes wide open. We do not have this data. We need this data. But what I still see sometimes is companies try to say, well, but the cost is too high or my data is just not clean or there are like these, you know, basket of concerns that keep getting in the way of us actually doing something. And I would say to you, do something, don't do nothing. Because the reality is that the supply chain disruptions are not slowing down. We are seeing them come at us from so many directions. I mean, who would have thought there would be a Suez Canal lock, um, shift stuff? That could have been a world crisis. I mean, could have been a massive crisis. Russia, Ukraine. Who would have thought that, right? I mean, the climate, look at what is happening. Half the world is in drought. The other half is underwater. Crop production is affected. Now India has a massive tomato crisis. I mean, it's just one thing after another. So we are not in a world where humans, as we have operated our supply chains historically, where you throw bodies at the problem, you do everything over email and Excel. Those days are gone. Companies are leveraging AI, keeping track of the world and developments in real time, using these technologies and operating far faster than you are. You're, when you have people doing work, our brains are not connected. So all of the work we sit, uh, that we know about in our mind is in silo. So you have to combine the knowledge, put and embrace technologies like AI, cloud, uh, you know, solutions that are connected ecosystems, if you will, that connect various data sets into a single place so that you can derive more insight out of that. That's the way to accelerate decision making in real time without bringing people together in meetings and sitting there collect exchanging information to come to a decision. That is too slow in this world. And finally, here's my favorite Maria's Book Club answer of the month. You know, it's not easy to choose just one, but after much deliberation, I've decided to go with Cheryl's selection. I always try to my best to look into every single selection our guests put forward. And of course, although I can't read all of the books that they nominate before the end of the month, I really do think that I'm going to make an effort to read this book. I really like the idea of changing your perception of what could be viewed as a negative situation and turning it into a positive. I think we could all do with some more of that in our lives. You know, I read a lot of books and different ones really resonate with me at different times of my life, right? It really has to do with, with timing and um, not just what we're going through, but what I'm anticipating to be the future. Um, one recent book that had a tremendous personal and professional impact on me was a book called You've Been Chosen by Sint Marshall. It's a book about thriving through the unexpected. So obviously it really resonates when you're going through a pandemic and this hyperinflation Right, that happened after the pandemic, supply chain disruption. So thriving and living through the unexpected really resonated. But I will say the book has, has so much more. It takes the question, why me? Right, That people ask when you're going through some really, really tough times, like, why is this happening to me? Right, And it just turns that question around. It just says, well, why not me? Right, As supply chain um, organizations and the leaders manage through the seemingly never-ending disruptions over the past few years, right, followed by this these waves, as I said, of record inflation. It's really easy to fall into a trap of self-pity or anger or frustration. But thinking that you have been chosen, like the title of the book, at this moment, at this time in history, 
idea that you're the per you are the person in your particular role right now for a reason. It's very liberating. I used this book with my extended leadership team, and um, we explored it in considerable detail. I truly believe that this is the time for supply chain professionals to step up and shine, right? And to lead like we always knew that we could. And so that's why I would recommend this book. That's it for the month roundup episode. I hope you enjoyed revisiting some of our best moments from July. And as I mentioned at the start of the podcast, we're going to be taking a little summer break during the month of August. As such, there's going to be no monthly roundup episode next month, but rest assured that we're going to be back again in September with yet more weekly episodes featuring the world's premier supply chain leaders. In the meantime, be sure to follow us on LinkedIn at Transform Talks to stay up to date with the latest developments. If you don't already follow me on LinkedIn, please do so. I'm always keen to connect with supply chain and business leaders from around the world. You can find me by searching for Maria P. Villablanca. And if you're lucky, I may let you know what that P in my name stands for. In the meantime, wishing you a great summer ahead. And as always, for those of you listening, I'll catch you at the next one.